Commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. This episode of the Contracting Experience Podcast features a conversation between F-16 Systems Program Office Director, Colonel Timothy Bailey, and your podcast host, me, Amber Pecorero, during the F-16 Workforce Development Discussion, Sharpen the Claw. Colonel Bailey invited me on Sharpen the Claw to talk about two initiatives I've been leading in Headquarters Air Force Material Command Contracting Directorate. One is creating and hosting the Contract and Experience podcast, and the other is creating the first ever one-on-one coaching program for Air Force contracting supervisors. I talk about how the podcast started, different perspectives listeners can gain from my favorite episodes, and the importance of the program management and contracting relationship in executing acquisitions. I also get specific about what coaching is, the benefits of working with a coach, and its effectiveness as a development and resiliency tool for the workforce. There are some breaks in the audio for the first couple of minutes, but the audio does improve for the remainder of the episode, so I encourage you to stick with it. This episode is being released right around the fourth birthday of the Contracting Experience podcast. Thank you for supporting the podcast, and I hope you enjoy. You are a former F-16 SPO person. Can you yeah. remember what kind of things you were working on back when you were in this program office? Yeah, I was working the FMS V9 radar program. And then when I got my limited warrant, they had me do some of the USAF work, um, as well as help, helping out with some of the other um, production programs for some of the other FMS customers. And you had time in the F-15 SPO. I think that's where we first crossed paths at back in yeah. Eagle Country. Yeah. Good. And you had some time in the simulators program office as well. Uh, You've been over in the headquarters of AFMC for roughly four years. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. And um, the way that I crossed paths with you again was, you know, you are the host of a great podcast called The Contracting Experience that really helps connect acquisitions professionals you know, with the network of stakeholders around us. Um, the stats that I have is at like 69,000 downloads of the podcast episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who knew? Contracting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It says you also developed the first ever AFMC contracting supervisor one-on-one coaching program and that you conduct leadership coaching with contracting supervisors from across the centers of NAFMC. And then the last thing I'll mention in your bio here is that you are also a coach for the Department of the Air Force and the coaching cadre uh, under the A1, and you are working to create for really that coaching culture uh, across the Air Force. So, Amber, what's, what's not in the official bio? So um, as I was, you know, building that career that you just kind of read off, um, I was also building a family. So I'm a mom of four kids, um, ranging range ages from the the oldest about to turn 10 in December and the youngest is two. So right in the he was born right at the beginning of COVID. So we know how long we've been been there. He's kind of walking around now. So 
so yeah, so that that's been a huge part of my my personal life and has definitely impacted my professional life. Yeah, let's just talk about that for a minute. You know, there's probably a number of folks on the call that have a similar circumstance. Maybe they're, you know, a new parent or a new mom. Um, any words of wisdom about how you approached, you know, trying to be a faithful and good parent as well as also having a successful career? Yeah, well, I'd say first is identify what balance kind of means for you and then get curious about that. Um, Because just from my personal story, I think my idea of what balance was, was very much, I kind of put it in a place where it was a little out of reach. So to me, now that I'm a coach, I'm looking back at like, hey, what's my view of like a work-life balance? And for me, it Now that I can kind of look back and look at those thoughts, it was, okay, I want to be like the best mom. I want to be the best wife. I want to be the best supervisor and contracting professional. Well, that's just not realistic when you look at it. And so if you if you kind of hear that description of what in my brain was like the subconscious, you know, like measuring stick of what work life balance was, it really was kind of unattainable. Right. So so number one, you didn't hear anything of like Amber in there. That was kind of me. How can I be of service to these different my different roles in my life? But I was not I wasn't actually making myself a priority in my life. And so, you know, lack of self-compassion, lack of ability to give myself grace, that kind of thing. And and then um, and the other aspect was it was a very goal oriented um, definition. If you look at it, you know, like I want to be the best. Well, what does that mean? And and does that constantly have me striving rather than being happy and thankful and um, being where I was in the place I was at? Right. And so I guess the the thing that was helpful to me and I would say this took me my oldest is about to turn 10. It took me about eight and a half years to be presented with this idea. But about a year and a half ago, I kind of found the concept of aligning your energies and and. For me, that looks like, and if you can kind of see in the background, I have um, the yin-yang symbol, but um, that is kind of like the interconnectedness of the world, right? The the dark and the light, the being energy and the doing energy. And so if you listen to my definition of what it was, work-life balance, it was totally in that doing energy, right? Like striving for excellence, being goal-oriented, having having that structure and all that, but it was missing the creative um, energy, the intuition, the presence, the stillness, and being able to be in that place. And so now where I'm at, and it's a work in progress, but it's been very helpful to me, is being able to look at it more as aligning those energies of the being and the doing. So that way I can have more balance in my overall life. That's a topic I don't know if we intentionally discuss enough, you know, uh, so glad that you gave some initial thoughts. Amber, I want to de- you know divide up our time today talking about the Contracting Experience podcast, but also saving plenty of time to talk about coaching. Because I think that probably is an area that a lot of the folks on the call aren't aware of uh, as another option to help with their career development. Um, but we'll begin with the podcast. There's some really great things here. Could you give us kind of the you know the origin story, so to speak, of how you got into podcasting? 
Yeah. So I got the job up in headquarters, AFMC. And when I got there, they they wanted a podcast, but I don't think they knew what what the steps was going to take to get there. And I think it was the technical director at the time, uh, Mr. Bohenick, he kind of went down the down the cube line and said, hey, does anybody have any you know thoughts on potential podcast episodes and and stuff like that? And me being, you know, uh, young and dumb at the point, I was like, oh, yeah, I had this idea. So then he's like, oh, you're the only one that came out of the cube. Or would you be interested in um, helping with this initiative? And at the time, I didn't listen to podcasts. So I said, well, let me go listen to some and see um, what what the process is and what I think about them and all that. And so and I did that and I just kind of fell in love with that medium of being able to get information and having like a space where you can get into like these intimate conversations with people you normally wouldn't be able to sit down with. Um, so I loved that. And so I said, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing, but let's try it out. So, so I just started researching and, um, reached out to public affairs. We work with public affairs to get the podcast, um, out there, um, because it is an official air force podcast and, and that's kind of how it started. And, and I kind of just ran with it. Um, thankfully they gave me some, some room to get creative and come up with topics. And so I just try to pay attention to what's kind of going on around out there that maybe people aren't dealing with day to day and um, and what they're facing, but it's things that impact them. And so, and that's kind of where I started. And then, and also I got to throw in things that were interesting to me. So it was kind of fun that way too. If somebody, you know, is new to podcasts, kind of like you were back at the start um, of your story, there are so many different podcasts now, like thousands and thousands. Uh, if they want to check out your podcast, you know, again, an official Air Force podcast, is there a certain episode or two that come to mind that you would recommend to start with to get a taste for it? Yeah. So one of my favorites is actually episode number four, and that was um, with Colonel Wilborn, um, who was the deputy up at AFMC PK at the time. And talking about influential leadership. And I just loved his ability to be relatable, but also open and sharing his philosophy. And it just um, I think it's a really good place to start and to just get motivated in, in whatever position you're in, whether you're in, you know, traditional leadership position or not. Um, he really speaks to ways of motivating yourself and other people. So I think I think that's a good one to start with. Yeah. OK, so episode four with Colonel Wilborn. Are you past episode 39 now, or is that the latest one that's out there? That's the latest one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a fantastic episode. Encourage folks to check that one out, too. You know, as you think about that whole corpus of work, you know, um, you've interviewed some very well-known people, uh, Dr. Roper, uh, General Holt, uh, others, and you've also interviewed people who are more at the grassroots. Um, you know, is is there a moment or two as you think about most, you know, what what to you were some of your big takeaways from your interviews? Yeah, I think, and this is kind of what I tried to get across in in my episodes, and and even just the the people that I that I record with and the topics is just to get a different perspective um, and see how that can help you in where you're at and meeting you where you're at. And so I would say um, one that well. Was kind of two episodes together, but um, in the summer of 2019, I was able to do a fellowship um, with a startup company in Washington, D.C. for six weeks. 
And I got like a whole different perspective with that one with working with a startup, but also just on the other side of the contracting lens, um, because I've worked in government contracting most of my you know professional career. So the, there were two episodes, number 17 and 18. Number 17, I was able to sit down with one of the founders of the startup and get his his thoughts on kind of the whole working with the government acquisition situation. Um, and he was actually a previous PCO for the Navy. So he had an interesting perspective. And then number 18, um, on my way back to Dayton from that fellowship, I actually saw General Holt, who was the head of Air Force contracting at the time in the airport. And I told him what I had been doing. He was like, hey, we should do an episode where I interview you about what you learned and all that. And so that episode was kind of cool just to be able to share, um, you know, having that experience at NDC was really good for me, obviously, personally and professionally. But it was really good for me to share that with the listeners and and hopefully inspire them to find something out there that they can get involved in that would be helpful in a way for them to see a different perspective. And then one other one I want to mention is um, number 27, and that was with Major Randy Mullen. And he he actually brought it to me and it was during the pandemic and it and he wanted to talk about acquisition and deployments. Um, and I just I just really respected him for bringing that to me and wanting and being able being willing to talk about it. Um, because he did get vulnerable and he did get into kind of some of the challenges that he faced with his family and and just getting ready to deploy and going through the deployment. And then when you come back and all that. And I just thought that was that was what I, I think is a real leader is being willing to willing to step out in vulnerability. And he and he was able to to do that and willing to do it. And he actually brought it to me to do it. So it was something where he was willing to put himself out there. And I thought it was really cool. That is excellent. Um, so I think you know for the folks on the call. If you know someone who's deploying, here's a good podcast you can point to, you know, um, to help them think through the challenges of that. Um, so your latest episode was 39. That really piqued my interest. Um, could you talk about that episode a little bit? And maybe, you know, to me, what stood out was the picture of a program manager and a contracts officer working effectively together and what that looked like. Could you just for our audience talk about that some? Yeah, so that episode, um, it featured a, a contracting officer and a PM that um, work in AFL-CMC, so Lifecycle Management Center, and they both actually went to the GHOST program down at SOCOM um, at the same time, and they were working together down there. Um, and what I took from that conversation that they were sharing is that, you know, down there, they were able to really get a good sense of one getting on the same page of what the mission is and so i think that's that's something that's super important no matter where you're working is understanding what the mission is um and also getting on making sure that you are on the same page as your team your program manager your contracting officer your the other ipt uh, members um all, all kind of understanding like where you fit in the bigger puzzle and they also pointed out being able to see the mission that they're supporting, right? So being able to see it and feel the impact of the work that they're putting into it and what's coming out of it. So, you know, where where they were at, maybe it was a little, they were a little closer to the mission, but, you know, there's opportunities for us to do that in our program offices, right? To to get in front of um, the, the things that we're buying, to work with our engineers and our PMs to get a better idea from the technical perspective, like what is it that we're buying and how does it impact and and help our partner, our mission essential partners and, and the Air Force and all that. So really understanding the why 
of what we're doing because you know, I get it. Like in contracting, sometimes you're working a lot of different efforts. Well, in all the IPTs, sometimes you're you're working a lot of different efforts, right? And so you're trying to keep things moving. And sometimes it can feel like a paper pushing exercise if you don't understand how you're tied to that mission, right? So, so that that's what I that's one of the big takeaways um, that I had from that conversation that the, that the gentleman shared. And then just kind of from my own experience, I think. Whenever I'm working with a PM, another IPT um, member is really just kind of getting getting to know them, right? Like treating them like people. I mean, you know, we we do a lot of good work together, but um, kind of having building that trust factor is helpful because that way, when things do get hard and things need to get done, you know that you're both working kind of in the same direction, and nobody's really trying to push against somebody else or pull against them in, in, a, in a negative way. But it's it's if you have that trust built, then you can kind of move together and and be supportive for each other. OK, so I want to kind of zoom out here. I got just a couple more questions about the uh, the podcast. Yeah, as you think about you've been doing this for a few years, you've listened to some of our thought leaders talk about changes they want to see, um, you know, what changes have you seen take place, you know, in defense contracting, you know, in defense acquisitions, um, and are there any emerging trends that that you see that are likely to come our way? When the podcast first started, it was around the time when Dr. Roper was in place at AQ and General Holt was in place at AQC, and they were on the same page for sure. And they were they were focused on agility, innovation which I'm sure these are all words you guys have heard a lot of times, but, um, and, and mission focused business leaders from a contracting perspective, which was, which was cool. I mean, because that's really getting contracting focused on kind of the, some of the things that we had mentioned, understanding what you're buying, knowing what you're buying and your impact to the mission and how that fits in with the business decisions and things that need to happen when you are competing something or working with our industry partners and negotiations, all that stuff. And so they they were really focused on doing things differently. How can we make this or how can we allow this um, you know acquisition process to move faster so we can get the things out to our our mission partners when they need it, not after they need it, um, as well as trying to work with more non-traditional industry partners, right? And getting them in and kind of building up more of our supply chain base that that needed to be built up. As far as where things are going, I think, COVID, the pandemic has really impacted that, obviously. And and so I think two things that I will talk to that I see have emerged, you know, have emerged out of the pandemic. And the first one is an area that was really highlighted with the need for digital transformation, right, in the Air Force and, and tracking our supply chain and being able to have the data available and make sure it's good data to use in making our decisions. And, you know, I think it was a little over a year ago, there was there's a digital transformation office actually stood up. It's a Department of Air Force office, but it sits over an AFMC. Um, and then shortly after that, in AFMC PK, we actually created a, a data division to help support, you know, all those efforts and and making sure we have a contracting system that tracks data and talks to other systems and all that stuff. So that's kind of in the works and that's things that you guys have been hearing and you're going to continue to hear. And also how we 
how we write requirements to make sure that it, it fits within the those systems that we need and having the data in a, in a format that we can actually use it um, rather than just like a PDF of here's what this looks like type of thing. And so and so that's that's one aspect. And the, the other thing that I think came got really highlighted in the pandemic was from from the people aspect. Right. So we're now doing business completely different from how we're running these meetings and all this stuff than we were before. And also during the pandemic, people were faced with kind of looking at their lives completely different than they did before. Right. So it's like, how do I actually want to live my life and how was I doing it before? And is that how I want to continue in the way we work and the way we we live and all that stuff? Um, and because, I mean, a lot of people were put in tough situations, you know, where maybe the world's collided, like, like me, I had my kids, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm locking the door so I can do work. And I just had had my fourth kid. And, and so the Amber that went to work before that had looked like she had all her stuff together. Well, now she's like, just trying to like keep her kids occupied so she can do her work. Um, and then you also had some people that, were didn't have anybody in their home at all and maybe they were lonely right like they didn't get to see people they didn't get to interact with people and and so i think there's a whole gamut of issues and and things that people were facing at that time and so now we're going we're getting into situations where we're starting to figure out like what's the next steps with that how do we want to work and and how can we do that and i think looking seeing how we can look at it from an from an aspect of how is this an opportunity rather than how is this a problem I think could be helpful. Um, and even and even I would say start with you, right? Like if you're trying to figure out how can we navigate this, well, how do you like to work, right? Like how do you like to work? What do you value? Um, what motivates you? Because when you better understand that, then you can communicate it with your supervisor. You can communicate it with your teammates and things like that. And I would also say being open to how other people need things to work, right? How other people um, work well with other people, how other people stay connected and how they how they are motivated because we have to work this together and nobody has like the silver bullet answer of like, this is what we need to do. But if you better understand yourself, then you can start working that with your teams and and working together to help inform leadership rather than waiting for leadership to tell us like, hey, this is the way it needs to work. Because I think overall, we want it to be this to be an opportunity for us to do things better. The two takeaways I think are really helpful uh, for our folks to to latch on to. One, you gave a concrete example of what you should think about when you hear the term digital transformation. You know, like for contracts officers, you know, what you said was think about formats of deliverables that come in a way that you can now interoperate across different kinds of systems, you know, um, with that data instead of just being a PDF. You know, it's actually something that is in a format that can be usable in multiple different kinds of IT systems uh, for our work. So I think that's really helpful because we, we hear buzzwords, you know, like digital transformation. And I think for a number of people, what they really need is a few concrete, for instances, and that's a good one. And then the people aspect, you know, of the trend and the change. 
that's a radical change from a few years ago. We all know that uh, with teleworking. Uh, we just got our DOC surveys back uh, last week, and you know the preponderance of comments were all about teleworking, and you know, in a mix, or you know, both a, a focus on telework, but also some polarization around telework. Mm-hmm. So I think we're still in a gray zone about. Um, what the what the right future is going to be for us? Um, mm-hmm. I know that's a, a key thing on people's minds, um, and the way you put it in a family context, I think, is helpful and key for people too. So let's move into coaching and talk about that now. I know that's that's near and dear to your heart, Amber. I, I think it'd be helpful just to start off the real basic question. You know, how do you define coaching in this context of our workplace? So I define it like you're partnering with, so as a coach, I'm partnering with a client to explore where they're at now, where they want to be, and 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 how do we get them there and kind of those next steps. And so it's really kind of a partnering, it's a creative process um, that inspires them to really grow and develop personally and professionally. And I'm sure many people are aware of mentorship. I, that's something that I think the Air Force has done a good job of really trying to promote. Mentorship can look more like advisement, where you have maybe you're maybe if you get a mentor, you're working with somebody that has more experience than you, and they're helping to give you look at your situation and give you advice on, okay, well, here's some of your options. You know, have you looked at these and kind of going from there? From more of a a traditional coaching standpoint, it's really focused on helping pull from the client what the next steps are or where they want to be and that kind of thing. So it's really helping them get reflective on their situation, their current situation, and and whether it's they're facing an issue or they just want to do something better or they want to figure out an easier way to do something and then helping them get curious about the way things are, and then what might need to change or be different to move forward, and then the steps to do that. And I've I've heard of like coaching is kind of like if you have like a personal trainer, and where you are in a place where you're kind of like you're functioning as like as like your maybe your your personal performance. But if you want to get to thriving, then that's why you work with a personal trainer to help you get that. So it kind of helps you get to where you want to go a little faster because you're focused and you have somebody there to help you focus, to help set aside that time and that energy to really focus on a particular area that you want to get into. Excellent. So I've used a coach for five years or so. It's been very helpful for me. It really, like you said, the coach just asks questions. It's like a Socratic method, um, trying to pull, you know, force me to think some things through that I probably haven't given enough thought to before. You know, but now we're talking about coaching at, you know, at more of the entry part of of a career, you know. Um, so could you give an example of let's say someone that's in the in the you know early part of their career signed up for a coach? What would a session be like, you know, kind of what would be typical that they could expect from having a coach? I run my sessions pretty similarly, depending, I mean, on on the client. And I've worked with people that are um, maybe in a management role and people that are not. Um, and it's really just what the, the first part is setting the the expectations that, you know, this is a confidential space, because when I when I have my sessions, I'm not I'm not going to be sharing this information. And this is actually 
has been really good feedback from the supervisors I worked with that, you know, you're when you're a supervisor, you do have to. And, and even when you're a regular person, you're a regular person, right? Like you have people in your life that you maybe want to look a certain way to. You don't want them to think like, hey, I don't have my stuff together. So really having somebody that you can talk to where you can delve into maybe some of those vulnerabilities, which is really where the growth happens, um, but in a safe way to where you don't have to worry about that information getting out. Um, so so I set the expectations that it's it's a confidential space. I'm going to meet you where you're at, right? Like, I'm not going to expect you to come in with all of these things. It's, I'm going to expect you to be invested in your development. And so they're going to get out of it what they put into it. And so really just setting those expectations and, but not putting pressure on them that, Hey, we need to reach all these results because, and this is just in getting in coaching in general, as you can, you probably hear from my description of work-life balance, I'm a high achiever, right? So so previously, you know, when I was contracting officer, going through the contracting officer boards, I want to know all the answers to all the questions. I want to know them all, right? Well, coaching is like the complete opposite, which has been a, a great transition for me, right? Where I am not supposed to know the answers and I'm not expected to know the answers. I'm expected to stay curious with the client. And so a big part of that is not trying to lead them down a path that I think like, oh, this is where they need to go. So I'm going to take them here. It's really staying neutral. And and so that's been a really great development for me just and why I love coaching so much is it it's really pushed me to go to that place to have that, you know, balance that we talked about at the beginning of um, not having the answers, but still being a support system for them to know that they're in a safe place to to explore different areas if they want to. Good. Yeah. You helped address a question I wanted to get to, and that was about the difference between having a good first level supervisor and a coach. And I think the example you gave to me makes total sense. There's certain things that you wouldn't want to admit or say to your first level supervisor, but they'd be totally fair game you know, to admit right. to a coach and, and to work through. So I think for you know folks on the call today, one of the takeaways is it's not excessive to say you need a good first level boss, you need a mentor, and you probably need a coach too. These are these are all different assets that can be useful uh, for you uh, in your development. Um, Amber, I'll give you a chance to follow up on any of that that I said, and then I'll open it up to see if there's any comments from the team today. No, no, I think it's good. And I just kind of want to hone in. Um, we talked about giving examples. I think it might be helpful to do that and talk about the benefits of coaching. So, you know, I talked about one was the confidential space to actually explore that stuff. Um, getting access to your blind spots. So the the um, what I brought up at the beginning about my thoughts of like, I need to be the best this and the best that. And that's kind of my bar, what I'm setting for myself subconsciously without knowing it. That's a blind spot. because if I'm operating with that in my subconscious that like this is what I need to be doing, then I'm not going to be getting the results that I want of actually having balance. Right. So so that's a great um, thing to point out is that you get that's that's part of the great thing of coaching is you get access to those blind spots that maybe you wouldn't have seen. And then the other thing that I want to touch on was getting faster results. So using that same example, if I would have. <laughs> actually gotten conscious about these thoughts that I was having that was driving my behavior about work-life balance, then I probably could have addressed them a lot sooner than eight and a half years after being a mom the first time, right? 
So that's one of those things where if you can identify something where you're like, something's off here. And so I want to know what's my current thoughts about that. Write those down, get them out of your head and in front of you, and then allow yourself to get curious, curious about those things. So is it true that I need to be the best at all these things? No. Why is my name not on the list of balance? You know, those kind of things. So getting curious. Um, and so just to share some examples. So one that we touched on. So when I was working with a supervisor, we were I was coaching him on coaching, coaching his people. And at the end of the conversation, because he saw how I was coaching him, not having a an agenda or a I need to him to understand my authority in this area, but it's more about how to help him get there. He saw that, wait, maybe I'm using maybe when I'm coaching my people, I'm trying to lead them down a certain path rather than allowing them the space to come up with something on their own, which is actually going to empower them to do what they want to do. And he got to to the point where he was thinking, well, maybe I think I need to show my experience and I think I need to prove it when really I don't. And how much freedom is that when you don't feel like you have to prove to somebody that you belong somewhere, you know, so that that's huge. And that's an example of how coaching has has uh, can help somebody. Another one is just getting awareness of your subconscious thoughts. And this was something that, you know, in my example, I, I shared with you, but 95 percent of the 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 activity that's going on in our mind is subconscious. And this is also your subconscious thoughts are also what what drives what you think, what you believe in your actions and all of that stuff. So when you can bring those things to consciousness, like um, like I had talked about writing down some things that helps with it, um, that allows you to really address some of those things that might be influencing your behavior. You don't even realize it. And so one example of that is um, I was working with an airman who was feeling, you know, just kind of overwhelmed and behind with all of the stuff that they were trying to get accomplished. And so I asked this person, what's the thought that's kind of driving that? And the thought was, I'm dropping the ball. Well, if you are constantly having the thought, I'm dropping the ball, I'm dropping the ball, I'm dropping the ball, that's going to cause your body to go into reaction. You know, like your your nervous system is attached to your brain. There's fight or flight and there's rest and digest. And if you're constantly having the thought, I'm dropping the ball, I'm dropping the ball, your body's going to go into a fight or flight mode, which is going to make you feel overwhelmed, make you feel rushed. And it's going to impact the, your thoughts and the way you're behaving and the results that you're getting in your life. Um, and so I just wanted to share, yeah, those those kind of two examples of how, you know, you can work with a coach and how they can help you. Thank you, Amber. Uh, let me open it up uh, to the team here on the call. Any questions or comments from the group? Johnny says, can you describe the difference between being a mentor and a coach? Do a lot of people assume those are the same? Also, it seems like the Air Force expects the soups to be the supervisor, mentor, or coach. Yeah, that's what I wanted to go to, too. We touched on it a little bit. Let me give my shot at it. What you're hearing us say today is that there is a distinct role for these three people to help you. The supervisor. You need to have a good first-level supervisor that does care and feeding, that looks out for your development. We're not excusing that role. A mentor. You know, what Amber said, a mentor is really good for advisement, you know, and think about what the career steps should look like. But the unique space for the coach is in a, in a more confidential way 
the coach can draw out of you, you know, really what your desires are, can help you identify your blind spots, you know, so in a more vulnerable type setting. So, Amber, why don't you correct me to 100 percent on that and add whatever you want to to it? No, I, I think you're spot on. Good. Let's go ahead and go there, uh, Amber. You know, how could someone get a coach? What are the resources or the ways to take those steps? Yeah, so the Air Force is it, they're really trying to create a coaching culture. It's it's something that they really started keying in on, I would say in 2021, so it's in the process of happening. But but one thing is about I think 3 times a year they send a call out to work with an external coach. So they they put a company on contract recently to to provide coaching to all levels of airmen. And so if you see that call come out, let your supervisor know that you're interested. You can also talk to them about it ahead of time, just in case if they see it, they can kind of kind of keep an eye out for that. And then they're also the Air Force is also trying to develop its internal coaches. Um, and that's what um, I'm part of with with the Air Force coaching cadre. I got my certification outside of the Air Force because I was interested in coaching and then I've been able to use that being certified in the Air Force as part of this coaching cadre. And my understanding is they put a call out quarterly, but it goes out to different different groups depending on who they're focusing on that quarter. So you may not always see that call. Um, they did say that you can, if you're interested in getting a coach, you can email them to see if you can get it out of cycle um, coach if there's avail- availability because these coaches are people that are in regular roles, you know, just like you guys are, but maybe they carve out some hours to coach people. So what I would say for that is search in the global AF backslash A1DI coaching. So I'm saying search it in the global that way to find it and you should be able to find it. So AF backslash A1DI coaching. And then I didn't have a chance to look into this part, but I know Air Force Employee Employee Assistance Program is really trying to be, be a total support for our, our workforce and, and any areas we need with wellness. And they do a lot of other things, too. So I would encourage you to look up the Air Force Employee Assistance Program. And they very well could have coaches in there as well. I think they do counseling for people. They help with some legal stuff sometimes if you need that. So I would encourage you to check them out as they might have access to some coaching. And then also, I mean, coaching right now is a booming industry. So you can also just go out and look for an external coach yourself. There's coaches for pretty much anything now. And and I've done that personally and I've gotten a lot from it. So that's another option. I think many senior leaders have coaches. It's been very helpful to me uh, as a, again, a place to be more vulnerable, to open up and really at times just to vent, you know, in a way that I really wouldn't feel comfortable doing so with others outside my poor wife. Um, so um, it's been really useful. Uh, encourage you to check it out. And it sounds like, you know, several of these options that Amber outlined are are free, you know, uh, to you. So that's a that's another nice benefit uh, to have. Well, Amber, let me say thank you for taking the time uh, here with, with uh, the F-16 team. You know, I think one of the new things I learned is, you know, coaching isn't just for development. You know, it's really another resilience tool. You know, there's, you know, mentors and supervisors, they can focus on development 
and resilience, but really coaching gives you that vulnerable, confidential space. So maybe there's someone on, this, on the, the call today that says, hey, I'm not so much interested in career development, but I definitely am on just helping, you know, I use the word balance, which isn't the best word, but just try to keep everything that I've got going on in life going in the right direction and not going off in the deep end. And I think a coach can be another person to help you with that. Uh, Amber, I'd like to give you the last word today uh, for the team here from F-16. Well, thank you for having me. And I would just encourage you that as much as a coach is great, and of course I promote coaching, I also promote coaching of yourself. And you can do that through some of the things that I talked about, just even getting aware of maybe some some thoughts that are maybe causing you to not feel great or to hold you back from whatever you want to do and just write them down and just get curious about those. And sometimes just spending reflective time like that can be helpful. Outstanding. Thanks so much, Amber. And thanks to everybody today for being part of Sharpen the Claw. Great to see you. Take care, everybody. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at thecontractingexperience at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience Podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.